Welcome to A Walk in My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, McKinney Smith. Hey, Faith Walkers. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on the A Walk in My Stilettos podcast, where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women to own their stories, conquer their fears so they can reach their goals. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today we have Jungle Flower. She's an award-winning photographer, poet, live speaker, and wellness facilitator. And after escaping a psychologically abusive relationship, she funded Reclaim Your Voice in 2012, a grassroots organization which creates safe spaces where people who have experienced abuse can share their stories. She's hosted over 50 events of this nature, performed spoken word poetry at notable platforms, including TEDx Rouge River. And over the course of her career in the arts, she has worked with Grammy award-winning artists like Drake, Maya, Melanie Fiona, T.I., Sierra, as well as Dr. Oz, Terry Crews, and former NBA All-Star Chris Bosch. So please welcome to the show, Jungle Flower. Hi, McKinney. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and share your story with us. An honor. So the reason I wanted to have you on is I've had... I'm going to say I've been blessed with the opportunity to mm-hmm. hear you speak multiple times. A couple times we've shared the stage and been on the same speaking platforms. And I love your transparency. I love your realness. And because you are someone who has owned their story, I wanted to have you on so that you can come on and share your wealth of knowledge with those that are out here needing to hear that so that they can start their healing journey. So I like to start the show with an icebreaker question because I believe that as women, we have all these different titles that we go by, but I believe that a title that's not given enough significance is our name because our names have meaning. So, I mean, when I originally met you, I met you by a different name, so I'm not (laughs) going to necessarily ask you the meaning of your name. I'm going to ask you where the, the name change came from. What inspired that? So Jungle Flower is a name I picked up about almost two years ago now. I Uh, In 2018 was a a turning point in my life. There were three unresolved traumas that resurfaced at the same time. And I lost, completely lost my sense of safety and security in the world, which led to me having what I refer to as a breakdown. And I was fortunate enough to be able to go to Costa Rica for a month to not work and instead just to focus completely on my healing and my restoration. It was uh, an incredible trip. It was everything I needed it to be and more. And toward the end of my trip, I was walking through the jungle and I kept seeing this beautiful uh, fruit on the ground that I'd never seen before. And the third or fourth time I saw it, I remarked on it to the woman who was walking me through who owned the property. And she said, that's not a fruit, that's a flower. And why I was so surprised by that was because its petals were so thick. And when I reflected on it later, I realized that that flower had either been designed or had evolved to endure the harsh environment of the jungle. And I felt like I could relate to that personally. And um, I had gone through such an evolution at that point and so much transformation and so much release that the name I used to go by, which is Reese, felt like it just didn't fit anymore. And so right after that walk, I think it was the very next day, 
I met a bunch of new people and they asked me my name. And the only thing that felt right at that point was Jungle Flower. So I've been using that moniker ever since. Wow. I love it. I love that. There's a lot of power, I think, in choosing our names and choosing yes. how we, you know, yeah, names are, they're important. They're extremely important. That's why everyone that comes on the show, I usually ask them what their name means. And some women had no idea. Some women, you know, are just hearing the meaning of their name for the first time. Oh my gosh. And every time someone says your name, they're declaring who you are. They're affirming that meaning and that definition. You know, my parents grew up telling me that Makini meant beautiful one. And I'm sure somewhere, Mm -hmm. maybe in their heads only, but I'm sure somewhere (laughs) that's where (laughs) that meaning was. But as I became an adult and I actually dug deeper into the definition, it's Swahili for strength of character. Wow. How fitting. I know. I feel, I feel blessed. (laughs) So I want to, I'm going to say go backwards before I go forward. So I'd like to know, what did you want to be when you were a little girl? When I was little, I found myself to be fascinated by people who had lived very rich lives, people who had worked a lot of different jobs and who could hear anything without like really being shocked by it. And so when I was a little girl, what I always wanted to be was a wise old one. Mm. It wasn't like any one profession that gravitated to. There's always so many things I wanted to be, but I noticed that like, I just had a sense like that was the kind of life I wanted to live. I love that. So I'd love to know what was the intention behind creating Reclaim Your Voice? Because I know we always start things, but the importance of the intention, because sometimes you start something and you intend it for it to be something and then it ends up being something else. So what was your intention behind Reclaim Your Voice? That is so true and so accurate about how the intention can sometimes be something unexpected or the outcome can be something that's uh, far from what we intended for something. So I started Reclaim Your Voice about six years after escaping an abusive relationship. And what had inspired me to do it was when I finally, I didn't know I was being abused while I was being abused because it was psychological abuse, something I'd mm-hmm. never heard of before. I didn't know that abuse could be anything but physical or sexual, but psychological abuse is a very real, very dangerous form of abuse. So it's financial Absolutely. abuse. Absolutely. Yeah, fall under that category. So because I didn't know I'd been abused, I didn't really bother trying to get help for how I was feeling. I was kind of being hard on myself for still like feeling so emotional, even though like a few years had passed at that point. And this was probably in somewhere around 2010-ish, the four years after I escaped. And I was in a new relationship. I had all these trust issues. And the stress was just like piling up partially because I was like just probably experiencing a form of PTSD and Mm -hmm. also because I was making it worse by not realizing how much support and I really needed. So one of the things that had happened in the abusive relationship was um, he had cheated on me like so much throughout the relationship. And so I wanted to talk to my friends about how do I trust this new person in my life? I'm dealing with all these trust issues. How do I trust again after experiencing what I now know is called betrayal trauma? And so when I asked them for their insight and their advice, I ended up opening up about psychological abuse, psychologically abusive relationship to give them insight as to why I'm struggling. And just the feeling of finally getting it off my chest, speaking it all out loud was incredibly freeing for me. It was like a huge weight that was off my chest. But then the second part of it was that they responded with similar stories. And that sense of being heard, knowing I'm not alone, 
Mm-hmm. It was like a big step forward for me. So a couple of years later in 2012, I started this uh, humanitarian project called 500 Random Acts of Beauty, looking for 500 ways in which I could add love to the world. And um, I decided as one of the random acts of beauty that I was going to hold an event where people who'd experienced abuse could share their stories as well and experience that same sense of relief because when my friends opened up to me about their experiences, I'm like, how come this is so common, but no one needs to be talking about it? And so I kind of wanted to do that and, and give people that opportunity. And when you're talking about intention and how you know the outcome can kind of be different, what I was hoping to do was support other people on their healing journeys by providing this space. What I did not realize or expect was how much doing this work would help me. Hearing other people's stories would help me know that I'm really not alone, give me further insights into my own experiences. Well, I love how you owning your story created a ripple effect of you creating space for other people to share and own their stories. And at the end of the day, none of us are ever alone in our journey. There's always someone that can relate to some part of our story. You know, that gift of you being vulnerable and how that opened up a room or space or other gifts for other people to share their story and realize that they're not alone. And like you said, there's so many people that are not talking about the abuse that happens outside of physical and sexual. And I talk about all the time being in two relationships that were extremely verbally and emotionally abusive. And sometimes you don't even realize that it's abuse until you either step out of it or you start to actually do research and realize how toxic and unhealthy that relationship is. So it's great that you created this space. And, you know, part of the owning my story was realizing, because I was terrified when I first did it. And even recently when I shared it online, I was terrified. But my belief is that we don't have anything to be ashamed of. Like, it's not Mm -hmm. our shame. We're not the ones who did something wrong. We were violated. It's them, who the people who perpetrated, who should be held accountable for the shame. That's their shame. Mm -hmm. So I hope that through sharing my story, it helps other people realize that they don't have to feel ashamed and keep quiet. They're not to blame. Absolutely. There's a quote that I like to reference from Dr. Brene Brown, who studies shame. um, And she's got all these amazing books out there on vulnerability. But she says, shame loves secrecy. And when we like to push things under a rug, and they actually don't go away, you know, they cause more issues. So being open about it and being vocal and yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, <laughs> and expressing it relieves that shame. And when you start to open up is when you realize there's so many people that can relate, so many other people that are like, oh, my God, you too. So I'd love to ask uh, because says, uh, it can't be um, I can't survive being met with love. And that's what happens at our events is that it's a room full of people who can either understand or, and or relate. And uh, when you just have a chance to speak on it without being interrupted or anything, you just have someone's full attention. That's when healing definitely happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of healing, I mean, you took this solo journey through Southeast Asia last year. Can you share some of the lessons that you experienced with that? Yes, that's funny because uh, I did create a show called Jungle Flower Dragon Heart, which is like a mixture of my storytelling, spoken word poetry, and visuals from my trip. I've mm-hmm. someone who's been a visitor for a long time. And the show focuses on the 10 vital lessons that I learned during my journey. So, awesome. Let me think about one, <laughs> one that I do <laughs> right now. I'll say this one because someone commented and said that uh, people don't usually speak on this. So when I first started sharing my story online, Uh, Despite having told my story for years in public settings, in front of an actual live audience, the feeling of sharing it online was like, 
still so scary for me, which was surprising to me. But it is an uncontrolled platform. You don't know who's listening. You don't know, like a lot of my followers don't follow me because of my story. They follow me because of my art. So Mm -hmm. I just didn't know how people would respond. I didn't know if, you know, it would be a safe place to do it. I just knew I needed to do it. So when I first started sharing, it was uh, after my trip in Costa Rica where I changed my name to Jungle Flower. So I shared first little vague lessons that I learned on that journey. And I was speaking from such a strong place and from such a place of healing, but I was getting messages where people were like concerned for me. And one person in particular said, medication helps with depression. And I'd made no mention of depression in what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. And so I spent like almost 24 hours. This is like when I first started sharing online, the very first like couple of posts. And I, for like 24 hours after I received those messages, I'm like, I don't want to do this. People think I'm weak. They're like pitying me. Uh, I don't want to be perceived in this way. And then I realized that the person who is take, who recommended medication for depression was taking medication for depression. Right, right. And uh, I also realized that it was my ego that didn't want to be perceived in that way. And so I knew that sharing it online, as difficult as it was, and despite being open to other people's mis- perceptions of me, I had to do it because it was for Mm -hmm. my own good. And so I pushed through that. And what I realized from all of that was that the more still my waters become, the more clearly people see themselves in my reflection. Mm. So uh, the reason I wanted to share it is because I think a lot of people, one of the reasons people don't talk about it is because they are afraid of how they'll be perceived. But at the end of the day, the trade-off is worth it because you'll help yourself and you'll probably help other people as well in the sharing I love that. So how have you leveraged your story to inspire others outside of Reclaim Your Voice? So I would say it it is through my work at Reclaim Your Voice and it is through the sharing online as well. The the truth is I'm very fortunate to have encountered this both early on when I started my humanitarian work, which is you cannot save people. You can only Mm -hmm. love so I rarely give advice. All I do is share what works for me because I'm not trying to change anyone's life. It's a hope. I would love for that to be the case, that I positively impact someone's life, but I can't really control that. So mm-hmm. what I'm doing instead is doing my best to be a shining example of what life can be after abuse. And that actually affects me in more ways than than one might think, because one of my core values, for example, is like optimal health and doing my the best I can for my health. So sometimes I don't want to work out, but I know I need to work out because I feel my best when I do, and it's good for my health. Mm-hmm. So it, like I'll, I'll do that. That thought will make sure that I do that. And and I share these things. I share like not just the victories, but like the struggles in between, and like what I what the challenges I'm facing and all of that. So I think just like being as real as possible in terms of painting a picture of what abuse and healing from abuse is like. I think that's, that's, that's really what it is. It's me just being my best self. I love how you started with speaking of that you can't force anyone to do anything or you can't make them do anything. And what I had to learn early on with coaching and mentoring is that you can't help those that don't want to be helped. And that is one key thing that I start with, with people, even before a consultation call, like, are you committed to this? Is this something that you've been seeking? Because I'm not here to convince you of anything. (laughs) And you speaking about just being transparent and owning your story. I think that is huge because sometimes people are looking for advice or counsel or someone to resonate with, but that person isn't being transparent or owning their truth. So it makes it harder to be inspired by them or to learn from them. 
And then there's always people who like you don't expect to be inspired by what you're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Happen to like pull something like profound from what you share. Absolutely, absolutely. I find that especially I'm going to say a Facebook and Instagram, for example, where I'm constantly sharing bits of my stories and my truth. And although 75% of my audience is women, the men that receive inspiration from that, whether it's their comments under, you know, under the post or in my DMs about how they can actually resonate with, whether it be a breakup or parenting or something. So you never know who you're inspiring when you're living your truth. Awesome. Yes. Wonderful. I think men really really need that space and there's not a lot of space being provided for men to to Mm -hmm. feel. So thank you. Mm -hmm. So what inspires you the most about what you do? I would just say that like for the first time in my life, I feel completely on path. So I don't know if for me where I'm at right now, the word inspires resonate. It's just like, there's no question I'm doing it and I'm giving it my all. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) yeah I feel like everything has come together and like just brought me to this point I feel protected guided supported like I just feel like I have everything I need to do to continue forward on this path like I I don't know I really love everything I'm doing I love every single part of it even like the really challenging stuff I love it but I guess like nothing really feels better than knowing that you have done something positive for someone else's life, someone who has been struggling. So I recently uh, facilitated a workshop at Seneca and during the debrief, one participant said, and she said, we always hear that we're not alone. People tell us that all the time, but being here today, doing this activity and hearing everyone share is the first time I actually felt like I actually am not alone. Wow. So things like that. It's, it's wow. better than any like paycheck or anything. Yeah. Absolutely. I think you and I both know how good it feels to know that we're not alone. I'm sure we've both experienced that. So just to be able to do something that has contributed to someone else's experience. That is beautiful. Something that I learned from my mentor is that when we hear the word inspired, I think it actually comes from in spirit. So when I say, for example, that I'm inspired by you, that means my spirit connects to to yours, to what it is that you're doing. I feel connected to you. So that word actually gave me a deeper meaning and how I look at things. And even when I say you know, who inspires me or what inspires me. I love that. I love etymology. I love it. That's such a great breakdown. I've also heard of inspire that it means to breathe life into. But mm. I've also heard that like life and spirit are very connected. So yes. Yeah, that's Yes. And then you were talking about, you know, just loving, you know, the effect and the impact and all those things. I was actually listening to, I believe it was Jay Shetty, who is big on spirituality, but I was listening to his podcast and he was talking about cause versus cash and how most people, um, I think there's actually a study on it where people will go harder for a cause or something that they're passionate about than the cash. And for me, I've definitely found this true. Like it doesn't matter how much I get paid and I do this even when I don't get paid, but because I love it so much and I'm so passionate about it and the cause of helping other people to, you know, walk in their greatness and be able to serve and impact people's lives on a greater level inspires me more than any amount of money that I could ever make from it. Right. For sure. Cause that's the real stuff. Money you can't take with you, but that's, you know, when you impact someone's life in a positive way, especially that's a legacy. Yes. Absolutely. So what advice would you give to a woman who's currently trying to heal from abuse? I think one of the most important things, like there's so many things I could say, but 
something I find is really, really, really important for someone specifically healing from abuse is to not isolate yourself as much Mm -hmm. as you might feel tempted to do that. A quote I heard is that we were abused in isolation. We can only heal in a community. Mm. Um, Community is definitely where you're going to find, again, people with similar stories who help you realize you're not alone, who help you gain insight into your own experiences. And just human connection and healthy, positive human connection is so, so, so important. So even if it starts out with a therapist and you're just going one-on-one, that's that's enough. But stay active in your community. And I guess to like kind of expand on that, volunteering is a great way to start feeling better. Mm-hmm. Volunteering either for similar cause or just honestly giving back in any way where you know that like you're doing it, you're making a positive difference in someone else's life. And uh, the third thing would be to regulate emotion. So it is very easy to stuck in one emotion for a long period of time sometimes it feels amazing to just like sit in our misery it can actually like cause like a positive feeling in us but it is so important to regulate our emotions so take time like you should express yourself and and allow those emotions to be released in a healthy way but laugh also make time to laugh find things that make you laugh make you smile make you feel good and and indulge in those things as well it's super wow like all three of those things are helpful, not even just for someone healing from abuse, but someone healing, period. So as you said those three things, I think about the state that I was in in 2019, healing from a ton of health issues, and then the beginning of 2020, healing from heartbreak. And those three things have actually helped me process (laughs) from the, the not isolating myself because that was causing me anxiety attacks and panic attacks. And when I started to reconnect with my community of people that have been there for me since high school, people that I love and usually would spend time with, you know, rebuilding those relationships helped me come out of feeling so alone. And then volunteering, volunteering my time and giving and knowing that I am helping someone other than myself, because that actually lifts my spirit. When I'm being of service and you're making someone else feel good, that puts you in a better better frame of mind, better energy, uh, better feelings. And then the regulating emotions, which I know, because this is something I say all the time, but it can't rain forever. So instead of sitting in, (laughs) you know, my bag of tears in my room, finding things to do that I enjoy, whether it be like, I don't even watch TV anymore, but I'll go to a friend's house and watch something that makes me laugh. Like the show Ridiculousness, which, you know, is just ridiculous, but (laughs) regulating (laughs) emotions. So thank you for those three. Those are helpful for anyone healing from anything. Those three things have helped you with your anxiety and panic attacks? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, studying studying mindset. You know, there's a few things that I know about anxiety and things like that that I I guess because I didn't need it in the moment, I wasn't practicing. But anxiety is one, it's you're worrying about the future. You're not living in the present, right? Your right. your, your totally. fear of what is going to happen. And then anxiety is triggered from mentally what we're thinking about. The body is an instrument of the mind. So if I am used to an idea let's call it X, and I there's a new idea, let's call it Y, that I'm trying to implement, I am not in harmony with, I'm going to say, the spirit or the energy. It's that the X and the Y are conflicting. I haven't accepted the new idea. So because I'm, uh, I'm going to say, internally freaking out (laughs) about it, it's causing in my body, it's triggering. So any kind of, when you're not in harmony with the two vibrations, the new idea and the old idea, 
you cause your body to be in dis-ease. And that's where the word disease comes from. And that causes anxiety, depression, all of these things. So I know that. So I was able to actually use all the principles that I apply and that I teach to myself to come out of that. Um, knowing what the problem is, knowing what I'm stressing about and being able to remove myself from being isolated and, and doing the thing so that I can accept this new idea or this, you know, new life, basically. All of that needs to go on a clip. Like That's a quotable. <laughs> that's really, <laughs> I think that would help so many people, so many people. And I also, it's funny, though, that you say that it's all the things that you've been teaching that you began to practice. And that was the case for me as well. It's like so much of what I learned and or, you know, promoted at Reclaim Your Voice, I was then using those techniques on myself. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. that's amazing. We have to be a product of the product. So I, totally. I live on practicing what I preach and the things that I teach people, I'm, I want to make sure that it's things that come from wisdom or come from experience because the people that are assigned to me can better resonate knowing that I feel what they felt. I'm not just speaking from book terms. You know what I mean? So I may not be in the moment sometimes where I can understand, but then God, higher power, whatever you reference it as for yourself, it's like being taught the lesson so that I can be more compassionate with the people that are assigned to me. So what was going after my breakdown was like not waiting for something mm. to happen to practice self-care. So I've made like self-care a regular thing now. It's just part of my, my daily life, just as much as brushing my teeth. Is. Like mm-hmm. it has to be in there. Um, so that's another like lesson I would definitely want to share with people, whether, you know, again, whether they're healing or like just even a preventative measure, like just regular self-care. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I wanted to ask you. But first, I wanted to know, what is one thing that you wish people knew about Jungle Flower? So I guess this is kind of like, <laughs> I don't know if this is the best answer for that. Maybe I have like better, more profound answers. But I think just the fact that like, I'm, I'm an introvert. And so I'm mm-hmm. not around a lot to like to talk. I, I keep to myself. I, I when I have something of value to offer, I'll show up. If I need to support someone, I'll be there. But I'm not like really around for like day to day chatting. <laughs> um, and I think people take it personally because a lot of messages go unread, and especially if people contact me a lot for just like casual purposes, I feel mm-hmm. like bombarded, and so I'll definitely pull back. So something I would say like that just to not take it personally like I'm just very focused on my endeavors right now I, I need to give it my energy so if I'm not around it's nothing personal but I'm very focused on it. I do think no I think that is profound because I know for a fact and I'm gonna say 99% of the introverts I know including myself we're not how do I say this we don't want anyone to take it personal but if you're a creative you're introverted and you, in your space of enjoying being alone, that's where you're creating and you're focused on your craft and the things that you are trying to build. And it can become overwhelming when you have a ton of people reaching out. And like you said, for the for regular things that are really not of any importance. I think I joked with you about not liking WhatsApp because people send memes and things that I just don't have time for right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> And I totally related to that. Exactly. I never watch the videos people send me. I'm like, I never. can't. I don't have time or I've never heard someone break that down so like 
perfectly in a way that really like explains how I feel. So thank you. And if you have more to say on it, you're welcome. (laughs) I've connected with a few creatives and it was mind blowing to learn that we are all introverts. You know, we all spend a lot of time alone because we're in that space of creating. If you're an extrovert, you need to be around other people to absorb energy. And that, that gives you life. When you're an introvert, being around other people drains you. And it's not intentional. Yeah. It's just so how, we, how we process. Videos yes. Our dream. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So just like you, I do have a lot of messages that don't get replied to immediately. And intentionally, I do not have Messenger on my phone for Facebook. Or I don't have notifications turned on on my phone for Instagram or yep. LinkedIn or any of these things. Because... Yeah. I am trying to focus and you're distracting me with foolery. (laughs) Thank you so much for validating that. Like, it's not something I want to be apologetic for because it's important for my Mm -hmm. well-being. And Mm -hmm. it's a boundary I have to be more comfortable setting. Boundary setting is very important. Something I've recently learned uh, for people who have experienced abuse. So just thank Mm -hmm. you for validating that. I appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. And I think boundaries are important for all of us. And anyone who doesn't respect your boundaries is someone who wants to break them. Yes, for sure. I'd love to know what does self-love look like to you? One of the biggest revolutionary acts of self-care in my life has been the way I speak to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that, I, and I still am at times, uh, hard on myself for how I feel. If I have a negative feeling about a certain situation, I'm kind of hard on myself in the sense that I tell myself like I shouldn't be feeling how I'm feeling and, and that I need to like stop feeling this way as soon as possible. So. I've learned to just allow it and like not only just give myself space to feel it, but to lovingly hold space for myself through it, which can look like talking lovingly and patiently to myself, literally wrapping my arms around myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one thing is like how I talk to myself and indulging more. I think like growing up, my spiritual belief that was, I guess, kind of fed to me was that people who are spiritual uh, don't need a lot of Stuff. They don't need material possessions. They don't need anything outside of the basic necessities. So I never used to like really treat myself, whether it be clothes or like restaurants or whatever. So now I do, I do take myself out and I enjoy that. And I, I tell myself like, it's not always about like spending money smartly. And, and also to be a good like worker, you have to be a good rester. So I've mm-hmm. just really <laughs> uh, given priority to my rest, my alone time. And yeah, just uh, investing in things that make me feel good, whether it be essential oils or clothes that feel nice or make me feel like more confident, things like that. I think just, just giving myself more space to enjoy the little things. In life. I love that you talked about giving yourself permission to indulge, especially as, you know, what we learn about spirituality. And, and I agree with you where, you know, I used to have the belief from the church environment that you know, if you're in the church and you're spiritual and you, you know, you shouldn't like nice things and you should live this minimalist life and thank God for the evolution of the church that I ended up calling home because their belief is that we should have all of the great things and that God intended us for have, to have amazing lives and live in nice homes and drive nice cars because those are the rewards for the things that we've done. But I had someone on the show recently and she had lived like 12 years of being a monk, like in this austere lifestyle. She went from, from doing modeling and commercials and, you know, she found love and based on the vision of the person she fell in love with, you know, shaved her head, gave up all her worldly possessions and went to go live this lifestyle. 
And I think she said after 12 years of that and having two kids, she realized, I don't want this life. Like, I want to wear booty shorts. I want to, <laughs> I want to, you know. <laughs> Amazing. She's like, there are things that I don't want to feel guilty for enjoying. And she, you know, she spoke to being able to indulge and not like splurge in things that don't make sense, but to be able to feel good. So, you know, she takes herself out to lunch and she does, you know, she'll buy herself a nice outfit. So she feels good. But a huge part of being able to manifest and attract all these beautiful things is how we feel. And feeling good, being in a a space of inner peace and feeling happy does not mean that you cannot indulge in the things that you enjoy. And especially if they're not unhealthy, like, you know, alcohol or drugs or things like that. So I love that you pointed that out. Can I actually share a story based on what you just said? Absolutely. Okay. So before I left for Asia, so I was a photographer, that's what I was doing for a living, but I didn't want to do it anymore. I felt like the humanitarian work I'm involved in fulfills me on like a, a much deeper level. So I decided I'm going to go to Asia and change my life because I wanted to test out my theory that my ability to succeed and my, my, my level of success depends on my ability to keep my frequency high. Right. So I didn't really like make much of an income and I knew I wouldn't be in 2019 because I was traveling. So I was spending way more than I was making and I was focused. I needed to give all my focus to sharing my story and releasing all these painful stories. Mm-hmm. And through that process, incredible amounts of healing occurred after I went through all the pain, of course. Mm-hmm. But since I came back and I was spending the money and it was, it was funny because like I said, I spent way more than I made, but it was the first time in my life that I wasn't worried about money. Mm-hmm. I just had so much faith in what I was doing. And since I've come back, and, and every time I saw a repeating number in 2019, I said, I want to get paid my rate, because <laughs> I've learned to be specific with my wishes. I want to mm-hmm. get paid my rate to, to to do live speaking, perform poetry, and facilitate Reclaim Your Voice events. So I came back in November, did my show, Jungle Flower Dragonheart, and then as of January, I started working. And I received, in January alone, I got eight bookings from colleges and universities. Awesome. So yeah, it's totally like what you're saying about feeling good and attracting and manifesting. Like I totally agree. And it's definitely been the case for me. I love that. In the church and in, you know, growing up, my mother would always say that your gifts will make room for you. And then I learned through mindset coaching that money is a reward for service. So a lot of people want a certain amount of money, but they're not willing to do anything for it. But if you want, then make yourself of service and you'll be rewarded with the money. So just like yourself, 2019, I barely made any money because I was off healing. But in that time, part of my healing was helping and serving so that 2020 will be much more lucrative. And all of these doors are opening up, just like you said. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I've heard variations of that message that if you want to succeed and all of that stuff, you have to be offering something of service to the world. And mm-hmm. it's so ironic to me that this, I never expected to make money off of this. I started it as my gift to the world, like the early Reclaim Your Voice events. I paid for everything until people started without us even asking, just started making donations. And now we have a community fund, so I don't have to come out of my pocket anymore. And uh, now, like through humanitarian work, I'm actually getting bigger checks than I got doing work with celebrities. So it's, mm-hmm. it's wild. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So I'd love to ask, have you had any coaches or mentors that have helped you along the way? Not um, personally. No, I haven't. I've 
wish I had. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But people like come along. I guess, you know what, I would say, I guess I have, but only as of late. So in, in, when I was like sort of coming toward the end of my trip to Asia last year, so I think it was, well, it was in, it was in July. I had gone through like a, a great deal of healing at that point, And I felt like I need a spiritual teacher. That's what I felt like my spirit was calling for, is like a spiritual teacher to take me under his or her wing or their wing. And that's exactly what happened. I randomly met a, a man. I, my, I was like dealing with writer's block at the time and I passed by the sign that said chakra balancing. So I'm like reading it and he's like reading me while I'm reading the sign and he's like, your throat chakra is blocked. I'm like, oh my God, when's your next appointment? So he uh, taught me some Tai Chi moves. He cleared, he balanced my chakras and then he, he just took me under his wing and he began to like cook for me every, this is in Bali. He began to cook for me every day, like chi infused vegan food. And he just showed me all these things and I honestly attribute a lot of my mental strength to what he did for me. So I would say him, but outside of that, I hope I'm not like forgetting anyone because I would hate to like leave anyone out, but there's no one who has, I wouldn't say there's anyone who's like solidly mentored me aside from like advice here and there, mm-hmm. nothing over like a long period of time. No, it's been, it's been feeling my way out. And to be honest, it's taken me 20 years to get to a point where I'm now like creating a sustainable uh, living for myself as an artist. And I, I do think it's because I didn't have things like mentors. I didn't have much of a network. I wasn't really willing to like <laughs> to do the work to become a better photographer. Like I've never read a photography book in my life. Oh, wow. So, and that, that kind of, yeah, it was kind of a sign to me that maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. Whereas like with live speaking and, and the, the Retain Your Voice stuff and the poetry, I work to get better at that. Like I really want to be great at that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so I think if I had those things in place, maybe it wouldn't have taken me 20 years to, to get to this point. But. I, well, obviously because I coach and mentor, but that came from being coached and mentored, right? And those people were able to elevate the things that I was passionate about and to help me skip some of the, the pitfalls and basically get to where I wanted to go quicker, not only by giving me guidance, but in many times giving me opportunities that I may not have gotten had I not been vulnerable enough to reach out or to seek that kind of support. But you said that you met this man randomly because you said you kind of put that out there where you want, you were seeking, you know, someone to help. And that was you attracting that. You manifested that. Wow. I love that. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. What does your self-care routine look like? Especially as someone who is dealing with other people who are dealing with trauma and as you're on your healing journey, as an introvert, I know that that can affect your spirit and your energy. So what do you do on a daily basis to keep Jungle Flower in a good space? What's your self-care routine look like? Great question. So um, after the Reclaim Your Voice events, uh, I definitely have like a particular routine or ritual that I do. But I will say that over the years, because I've been doing it for almost eight years now, over 55 events of people sharing their stories. And people often ask me like how I can stand to hear all those stories. But I really feel like when I'm doing that work, I'm walking in my purpose. I feel like it's like my best, my most high self. And so it's almost like the rules of of my introversion don't even apply because mm-hmm. first of all, like I'm up there at the front of the room, which is something I never would would have done before starting Reclaim Your Voice. I had terrible stage fright that now has been healed through my work at Reclaim mm. Your Voice. 
um, to the point where I'm like, again, like referring to my show, like I'm, I'm doing a one woman show. I used to have like really paralyzing stage fright. So the healing effects of like this work has, have really like astounded me. I don't know. It doesn't really affect me too deeply. I've also learned to listen in the sense where like I, the words are coming in through one ear and going out the other. I don't hold on to the pain of people's stories. I don't hold on to the details. Mm-hmm. What I've now learned to focus on is that a voice once silent is silent no more. So I look mm-hmm. at it like that. But after Reclaim Your Voice events, I'll definitely like sit in the tub, uh, like an Epsom salt bath, and I'll fully eat a meal while I'm there. I've fallen asleep <laughs> in the tub. <laughs> I soak. I soak. So, but uh, on a regular basis, what I feel overall contributes to my sense of well-being is living according to what I have developed as my list of core values that I live by. And as I kind of alluded to previously, taking care of my physical health is really important. Taking care of my overall health is important, but working out and eating right is one of those core values. Standing up for myself, a form of self-love is one of those core values. So for me, in order to maintain an overall sense of well-being, I'm, I've learned to like, I've learned the importance of a regular morning and where possible a regular evening routine as well. So on an ideal day, I'm waking up at six o'clock. I write three pages before I even get out of bed, which mm. you don't need to be an artist to do. It's like stream of consciousness writing. And it kind of is a way to not even sort out, but to just get out everything that's like running through your head, any like anxiety concerns, worries about the day ahead um, can be emptied out into those sheets so that as you're progressing through your day, a lot of those thoughts aren't confusing you and like mm-hmm. and, and contributing to chaos in your mind. Um, and then I do Qigong for, it's like an energy practice similar to Tai Chi for those who are not familiar. I do that for half an hour to an hour. And then I work out for 35 minutes. I meditate, actually meditate after the Qigong. And then I start my day. And then the evening, I usually like start to kind of not I, I'll say I'll kind of end my workday around maybe around 7 p.m. I'll do uh, that's when I sit and I really work on my creativity. So I'm writing poems, I'm writing stories. And then again, I'll do p- pretty much the same routine as the morning. I'll usually do a shorter workout at night and then that's it. So for me, I think today, self-love, self-care means like really being smart with how I'm spending my time. So my time Mm -hmm. management, making decisions moment to moment of what's going to benefit me and what's going to set me back. And I learned recently that all of us have a part of our, an aspect of our psyche that is like our number one contender, the killing aspect of the psyche, which is designed to keep us small, to keep us afraid, to keep us sad. Like it just, everything we don't really want for ourselves, it's designed to be a voice in our head that wants that. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I try to be like really aware of that voice. Um, so for example, I could have a, a leafy green smoothie or I can have like five slices of pizza, which is what I'm really craving. <laughs> but I know that I'll feel a lot happier if I make a healthier choice and not listen to that voice that's kind of like trying to self-sabotage me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I wanted to touch on what you said about your writing in the morning because mm-hmm. journaling is proven to be such a healing tactic. And the reason that that is, is because the mind is symbolic. So you unpacking all of your thoughts and feelings and writing it out onto a piece of paper helps you so that you're not holding those inside. And there's a lot of different symbolic techniques that people can use to actually help rid themselves of negative emotions and feelings and stuff like that in the same way. For example, you can write out 
you know, let's say you write out all the things in your life that you don't like or that are negative or not serving you and you write it out on a piece of paper and then you crumple it up and throw it out. Like the mind Mm -hmm. is so symbolic in just that simple thing. Amazing. There was an event that I went to where Karen Civil was talking about one of her self-care practices is when she is on her way home, uh, especially from a work day, she voice records in a voice note, um, her expressing all of her frustrations for the day verbally, getting it all out. You know, you're not saying it to another person, but you're recording it into that voice note and she's unpacking it. And then she deletes it before she goes into her house. So she's not taking that energy home with her. Yes. So important. Yeah. I I find that like, it's instinctual for me to like need a place to just release all of that stuff. Like getting it out toll is so beneficial to me. I have a friend who it doesn't work for. She actually has to work it out internally. So I guess like different strokes, but Mm -hmm. yeah, it's definitely like a huge tool in my life. Huge, huge, huge. I can almost bet money on it if I used to, if I'm not going to say I used to, because I used to be married to someone who gambled. But (laughs) if Mm. I gambled, (laughs) I would bet money (laughs) that if your friend actually tried to practice some of those things, it would actually help her because I used to be that person that I need to process everything internally in my head Mm. before I say anything to anyone. But realizing now how that was harming my relationships with people. Wow. Because it took me. I will definitely suggest that to her. Yes, because it took me so long to process my thoughts and feelings. And in that time it was mm. taking me to process, people were taking offense. <laughs> wow. <Right? laughs> wow. So it speeds up the process. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So um, give her that tip for me. Yeah, um, for- Thank you. (laughs) On a total side note, so every episode, because I came across this article in Reader's Digest, I ask every woman that comes on the show this question. So there's an article that says that your favorite type of shoe says a lot about your personality. And so far, it's been on point. (laughs) So hopefully it won't disappoint. (laughs) But (laughs) my question to you, Jungle, is what is your favorite type of shoe? Is it a (laughs) flip-flop, a stiletto, a running shoe, a boot, a walking shoe? Like, I I don't know. What's your favorite type of shoe? After being barefoot for a lot of last year, (laughs) I came back to Toronto to discover I don't think I can do stilettos anymore. I didn't want to tell you that when you invited me to be on the show. case it was a prerequisite um because comfort is key for me so my favorite mm-hmm. shoe is a, is a sneaker and you're so okay. right it totally says a lot about my personality <laughs> <laughs> I love it I love it um would you say you're more sneaker or running shoe I like both, but I would say like for, if I'm not running, I'd probably choose a sneaker because like I wear like Hirachis and and Roshis and like, they're just super comfortable. And that way I can, whatever, like basically anything that's going to help me get what I need to get done. And like, I don't want my feet hurting to stop me from like fulfilling (laughs) my destiny, you know? So that's important. (laughs) Totally understand. Totally understand. Okay, so the reason I asked that is because there are two different versions. So running shoe fans are goal-oriented. I can actually go further into that. And then Mm. um, sneaker buffs get along with everyone. So which one would you say is more you? I actually would say uh, running shoes. Running shoes. I can can get along with everyone, but I'm also very discerning about who I give my energy to. mm -hmm. So I would say running shoes. I'd say running shoes. Okay, so they say that... Running shoe fans are goal-oriented. 
If you're someone who enjoys fitness challenges, you take your New Year's resolutions to heart, then you've been known to go the extra mile with a label maker. (laughs) This is someone who's very confident, very goal-oriented, and very organized. They really illustrate the idea of multitasking, taking care of everything, and being everywhere. That, that I would say yes, but do you want to read the sneaker one also? Sneaker buffs get along with everyone. As someone who relates to people much younger than you, yet also feels comfortable conversing with someone much older. Sometimes you're an old soul and sometimes you're the life of the party. For sneaker buffs, age truly is but a number because you get along with everyone. The sneaker is very versatile, a very open person willing to explore a lot of options and different ideas. They're energetic and ageless. They are really not young or old. (laughs) Yeah, that describes me as well. Both of them do, but I would definitely like lean more toward the running shoe definition for sure. Okay. (laughs) All right. So I want you to tell the people where they can stay connected with you online. Sure. Thank you. My Facebook is facebook.com slash jungleflowerzz. And my Instagram, which is where I'm most active, is Jungle Flower Energy. And my website is zigazagastudio.com. And for future show dates, <laughs> this is a lot, future show dates, <laughs> they can check out jungleflowerdragonheart.com for information on what my show is about. Awesome. Awesome. So I will have all of the direct links to your social and your website in the detail section of the episode. So they don't have to search too far. They can just definitely click and connect with you there. The final segment, I call it a walk Mm -hmm. in her wisdom, which is just quick reflection questions and you share inspiration or the first thing that comes to mind. What new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life in the last five years? Believing that, and this is very recent, that I'm not here to suffer. Going through a lot of different things has, you know, had created the mindset of why me? Why am I suffering so much? There's no resolutions to these traumatic experiences. There's no answers to these problems. Why? Why am I here? Like, why do I have to go through all this suffering? And on my journey through Asia, I realized I am not here to suffer. I'm here to overcome. And I meet every obstacle with that mindset. Awesome. Wow. I want to thank you. Thank you so much, Jungle Flower, for taking the time to join us and sharing your story with us. I truly appreciate you. Thank you, Makini. You are such a beautiful soul. And I thank you so much for creating this platform and allowing stories like mine to be shared. Really, really appreciate you and your wisdom as well. Thank you. Thank you. And to all of you faith walkers out there, until next time, subscribe on all platforms, rate the show, and leave a review on Apple Podcast. Join the community of faith walkers and sign up for our weekly newsletter at awalkinmystilettos.com and be sure to grab one of my personal development books available online everywhere. And if you've received value from today's show, or you can think of one person that can receive some wisdom from Jungle Flower's story, please share it with them. Take a screenshot of this week's episode and tag us on Instagram. You can tag Jungle Flower at, at Jungle Flower Energy and you can tag myself at, at The Real McKinney Smith and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling. <laughs>